Hello everybody, welcome to Wrestling Wednesday. My guest today is Gary Mayab. Before I get into all his credentials though, I wanted to tell you guys that I will be headlining the Kansas City Improv in North Kansas City, Wednesday, November 22nd. It's the night before Thanksgiving. We've got about 50 tickets left to sell it out. I'm gonna to try to make a special out of it. So I really appreciate if you guys could come out and support that. Uh, you can get the tickets at improvkc.com. It's scrolling across the bottom of the screen there. And without any further ado, my guest today is a legendary Hall of Fame coach from Missouri, Gary Mayab. He was a high school official for 38 years and is now the associate head coach of the Iowa women's program. He had seven team titles as a coach, 19 times they placed in the top three. He has an extensive bio. I could sit here and read his entire bio and it would literally be the entire podcast because it's very extensive. But some of the things that stood out to me the most uh, besides his 38 years of officiating, he coached uh, 43 state champs, 143 state placers. 30 years, he was the head coach of the Missouri national team, where he coached 17 national champs and 71 All-Americans. 100 of his former athletes are now coaches. Over 50 ex-wrestlers competed at the collegiate level. And like I said, I barely scratched the surface. Uh, what a legacy. So without any further ado, let's bring in the man, Gary Mayhab. What's up, buddy? Not much, Tim. Thank you very much for having us. It's good. You're welcome, man. Um, yeah, like I said, I was reading your bio, and it made me feel like such a slacker. <laughs> uh, how how do you manage uh, how do you manage your time so well? Well, first of all, I've got great people around me. My my wife obviously is is uh, top on that list. Um, our children. You know, this weekend we had a, the first duel here at Iowa uh, in women's history uh, of Iowa. And, and uh, two of my daughters came up and worked the event uh, with us. My wife announced the event. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it is a family affair type deal. And so with that, you know, my wife always asked me about, you know, vacation and, and uh, we don't take those. <laughs> but uh, we tend to, you know, our vacations are always centered around like she would announce division two and then I would officiate uh, nationals. And uh, it was always over division twos is always on our or around our anniversary. So that was our anniversary. So it was, you know, a lot of it is, again, I've got the right partner and the person that that loves wrestling enough that this is what she does and, and this is what we do type thing. So I think that helped an awful lot because it, it does. Um, Coach Haggerty and I, myself, we both said several times that being a college official and being a high school coach and then trying to work national team stuff, both for the state and USWA or USA wrestling, that's that, that right there, it, it, there is, there's, there's not very many gaps there and you, you've got to, use your time wisely, but it's, it's been great. It's, it's a, a tremendous experience overall. And, and I'm so fortunate to have been able to work with so many outstanding athletes and coaches over the years. And now was your wife always into wrestling? Did she love it before she met you? Uh, well, yes and no. She, uh, she, uh, was a trainer at UCM and, uh, and, uh, Doc Van Dam, friend of ours, both of ours. And, and, uh, he told her one day she, she had managed basketball at least some in high school when she was in high school and loved it. And as basketball fan, uh, baseball is her real gig, but, but 
she loves basketball. And so then Doc Van Dam said, you know, hey, you've got to uh, you, you need to work this this national tournament that we're bringing to UCM. It's wrestling. She goes, I don't do wrestling. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, if you plan on doing football later on this year, you will do wrestling this summer. And uh, she came in and just absolutely fell in love with it right off the bat. And coaches that she met there at UCM, we are still very close friends with. We were out at Princeton uh, Open last weekend with the Iowa women's team, and several of her friends all came up to me, and they've been friends since the 80s now. You know, so it's it's – it is, uh, it, it's really uh, a, a special thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're obviously a pretty modest guy. A lot of, a lot of people in wrestling that have had a lot of success are very modest. And I, I appreciate that about the personalities in the sport, but have you ever thought about, I mean, not only the things that you've done, but the fact that you've coached a hundred guys that went on to coach or guys or women have, that have gone on to coach and, uh, have you ever thought about the tentacles of all that and how many lives you've impacted when it comes to that? I mean, not just from a wrestling sense, but I think people who wrestle are better fathers and better citizens and all of those things. Have you ever sat and maybe contemplated that at all? I love everything you just said, because at the end of the day, that's what it's really honestly all about. I've always said that the reason why you should wrestle is mainly because you will hold your own children differently. You, you will, you will be introduced to you at such a core level of, I can't <laughs> tell you how many beat downs I've had in my life, you know? And, um, it, it, it is, uh, it, it is humbling. And, and th those kinds of situations truly, truly introduce ourselves to us. And we know ourselves on a level that many people, honestly, I, I don't think they do because they've never challenged or tested themselves to that level. Now you take, you know, just this last weekend where we had veterans day. I mean, those people, those people, they don't, they know bull riders. They know, I mean, <laughs> you get up on an animal that wants to kill you. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, you, you've done something. And the other thing that you you brought up that really hits home is that the, the, the real power in all of it is that our we have the greatest job there is because at the end of the day, you have a, a, another human come to you and say, I want to do this. I want to be a world medalist. I want, I want to be a state champion. I, I've literally had athletes come to me and say, I want to be a four-time state champ. Okay, let's write that down. Now let's figure out how to get you there. And then, then you jump on and run with them in their journey. And that part of it is, um, it, it, there's nothing better than that. And, yeah. you know, and, and from me personally, um, you know, I was a 62 pound freshman in high school. Wow. No one had any <laughs> use for me. There was no reason that coach Tuck or any of the coaches, coach, coach Brown, any of those guys, would would have said, yeah, we need you on the wrestling team. They did not need me. I needed them. And so I think that's another thing that for me and and Roger Danker, you know, he, he passed two years ago. Uh, he meant the world to me. He was a uh, legendary coach at and literally what I would refer to as the grandfather of Missouri wrestling. 
because I think the coaches that he produced that went out and did great things for community and, and service, uh, there was just no better. He was a Lieutenant Colonel in the army reserve. The man walked that way every day of his life. I mean, I was terrified of him <laughs> and yet everything he did was put his arm around me and tell me this is the direction you ought to go and make that happen. And so, you know, uh, my father passed very early in my life. I was one. And, and, uh, you know, from that point on men in my life that came in and said, this is what you need to do. Then I followed them. So I was so fortunate that, you know, every father's day, I would call my college coach and my high school coach. And I, I don't miss, uh, unfortunately now I, I end up calling Connie, his wife. And then I call coach Tuck, of course, and then coach Feline. But, you know, I, I call them because at the end of the day, they gave me a gift that I can't repay. Uh, all I can do is try to give it back to the next group. Like I said, I've been so fortunate to run with great athletes, great student athletes. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. It's a great answer. Um, tell me briefly about your own, uh, your own career. Like how did you do in high school and, and, and college? You know, high school was good for me. Uh, we moved my junior year in high school. We moved from one farm to another one north. So we moved from Kearney to Cameron. And, uh, and that, was, that was a big adjustment. You know, you, you grow up in a town, a small town like that, you, you get small town. And it is, it's awesome. And then, then all of a sudden you move as a junior. And all of my friends, of course, are back in Kearney. And then you, then you meet a, a brand new set of friends. And it taught me, I, I, I don't know that my college transition would have worked had I not done that in high school. I know at the time I wasn't real happy with it, but it's, it's like that a lot of times in our lives, right? The right. challenges that come in front of us, we don't necessarily understand the lesson they're teaching us at the time. But then those lessons are really, really the ones that alter and change us in the end. And uh, I think my transition to college at UCM was made a lot better because of that scenario. And the other thing is I met, I met two people. I met another two people that there's many that changed my life in, in Kearney, but there was two people that really changed my life in Cameron too. And they were both teammates of mine. And I discovered the value of that. I mean, just like day two here at Iowa, it was so funny because our women were around in a group and they were telling each other, you know, man, we're going to be unbelievably great friends and we're going to be close and this is going to be awesome. And we're going to be lifelong friends. And, and I said, no, you're not. And they looked at me like, what do you mean, coach? We're going to be that. And I'm like, no, you're going to be more than that. You're going to be teammates. And teammates are people that uphold people for their own responsibilities. And our friends don't always do that. Sometimes our friends help us go down the wrong road, but, but teammates won't let that happen because they know that the team and the program has to have a hundred percent of you. And those people are different than, than friends. They're more than friends. And, um, you know, one of my friends was Charles Scott. He was the first state champion at Cameron. And, uh, I was fortunate enough that I came out of a program that was a little bit more advanced at the time. And so when I moved to Cameron, it was great because then I had an opportunity to lead. And there was, a, there was a tremendous amount of talent in that room and, and, and probably more so hard work than talent, but, our senior year, we ended up being co-champions with uh, Marshall, Missouri, which was a great, great program under Coach Hargrave. And, and uh, 
those, those teammates of mine made all the difference in the world for me uh, uh, by moving to a new school. And then unfortunately, Charles Scott um, got cancer, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at the time in the 80s uh, or in the late 70s. That was almost terminal. And uh, to watch an 18-year-old go through that and him fight for two and a half years the way he fought, it literally changed my life. It changed how I felt about life. It changed. It was that first hard lesson. You know, you grew up on a farm. You, you see things die. But, but, and born, which is pretty cool. But at the same point in time, when it's your best friend, one of your best friends, it, 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 it crushes you at a level that you, you didn't know you even had. And what it made me do was it made me bond harder to everyone else in my life because I knew how he, how much in two years he had changed my life. And we ended up having three or four years together total. But one of the greatest things too was that he became my college roommate while he was terminally ill. Now, why you would go to college when you're terminally ill, right? And as a parent now, I can't imagine turning my child loose and missing that time with them if I knew they were terminal, you know? Yeah. And I've always thanked um, his parents for that. And uh, again, complete life-changing experience. And it's all through wrestling, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you realize, you know, something like that um, obviously makes you realize that life is so fleeting. And the older I get, the quicker it goes, man. Like, I'll have something I'm looking forward to two or three months from now. And before I know it, it's here and it's gone. And I, I'm like, man, that was a month ago already. You know, and I was – and it's it's insane how fast it goes. And and it, it's, it sucks that you don't always realize that when you're young. Um, oh, I had to call one of my team – one of my former athletes – here while back and 44 years old and i was like you cannot be that old there's no way you know and and today uh i went over and got a mouthpiece uh here at the dental college and and as i walked back to carver i had this moment where i realized that in one month from now it will be 40 years that i stepped onto campus here to to wrestle with hawkeye club and uh at this exact same bus stop that I walked by this morning, that's where it was. And it seems like yesterday, yeah. except it's a really nice day out. And and then I just remember how cold it was waiting for the bus each night. So, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. My little boy, my little boy is five. Yes. And yesterday we were watching, uh, we were watching, I was reading him some books and we were like under blankets and it was just so, huh? It was just, I, I just wanted to freeze time, man. I'm, yes. You know, and then a couple minutes later, he's like, we have this wrestling mat, like on our living room floor, this little, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. I want to lay on the mat. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll let you go. But damn it. I just want to hold you here for, I, I would, I would have sat there all freaking day with him if that's what he wanted to do. Well, as much. I know, you know, my wife and I were laughing this weekend because uh, Grace, our youngest one came up and worked the, the, the match and, uh, and worked with her mother and, and then she decided to stay the night instead of go back to KU. And, um, she's last one in college and, and, and it just, it was one of those moments where just having her back in the house was everything. So it's awesome. Yeah. 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 I don't know if we're going to have any more kids, but I sure wish I could have a daughter now. Um, I've heard we have great. three and we, we talked about having another one. I was terrified of having a son. So it's yeah. like, nope. I, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of times God does not 
provide sons to wrestling coaches. And, and now, <laughs> you know, now it's a totally different world, right? Because now, now women are fully, you know, getting invested in it. And, and it is just unbelievable that we have this, you know, the Chinese say, may you live in exciting times. And we certainly are because uh, for everything that the sport has given me personally in my life, and along with my wife and everything else, um, I'm just, it, it's one of the things that tugged at me because I kept thinking, I would want this for my daughters. I would want this for my granddaughters. And so uh, now it's happening. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so in your own career, 62 pounds as a freshman, I imagine you, okay. you had a growth spurt in high school. Well, not much. I, I was 62 as a freshman. I think I was 72 as a sophomore. My junior year, I was 82. So I went up 10 pounds each year. And then by the end of my junior year, I hit 88, I think, 87. Okay. And uh, I placed that year at 98. And then, um, you know, thank goodness they did not have these these minimums because then I couldn't have wrestled, you know. And yeah. uh, I look at that and think sometimes I, I disagree with the minimums. I understand that they're there for safety reasons. And safety is always on them, but it's always the, the top of the list. I mean, as an official – that was my number one thing is the safety of the combatants. My number two was a strong sense of fairness, but um, yeah, the, 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 the minimums uh, you, you look at that and I know that the first three people, I believe from the state of Missouri that made it to the U S open finals was, I believe myself, Sammy Henson and, and me and Sammy at the same time, Sammy defeated me. And then um, um, I believe Nick Perler or Tony, one of the two. And you look at that and say, all, all three of us were under 90 pounds at some point in their high school career where, you know, they might have been shut out or something from that moment. And so I'm very happy that we did not have that. I'm also happy for the state of Missouri that we did not have that because yeah. two of those are great wrestlers, the Perlers and, and, and Sammy Henson. And so it's awesome. Yeah, I've had Sammy Henson on and uh, what a freaking beast. And, and, oh and, goodness. To, to finish what you're saying, it bothers me as a fan, a lifelong fan, um, and a former wrestler that they've taken the sport away from the smallest guy and they've taken it away from the biggest guy. Right. Like you, there's no behemoths anymore. There's no Chris, right. Chris, Ta Chris Taylor, Taylor, right? Yeah. There, there can't be guys like that. There's no more oh. uh, Rob Eiders and Tim Vannies and, and all those yep. guys. And those guys were so fun to watch. We went to the world oh. championships when they were in Vegas and you saw all these foreigners and they're tiny and they had these mangled ears. And I was telling my wife, yeah. I'm like, that was 105 pounder. That little guy would rip your, rip your yeah. head off. Yeah. You Jump know? on you. Yeah. Spider monkey you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I love that poster. I still have it um, locked away, but, but you know, everybody can wrestle. And it was the poster with Tim Vanny and then Bruce Baumgartner on it, you know? Yeah. And it's, it, I, I can't agree more with what you said. You, you, right on the money it's it's it is i i believe that the sport was greatest when when anybody could wrestle yeah it's one of the things we're facing right now with with college women wrestling and international women wrestling you know they they have some some very light top weight classes there so hopefully hopefully we'll continue to move back towards that at some point the pendulum well, I can already tell 20 minutes into this that uh, we're going to have to do this again because I could probably talk to you for three hours about wrestling oh, okay. um, easily. We're going to talk uh, about wrestling. It's all day for me. I'm, I love it. 
Yeah, me too. And and it's rare that you can find somebody, especially in just normal society that, you know, most people like eh, wrestle, but they didn't really wrestle, you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, as a competitor, so it was I was wondering who that was that you wrestled in the 1990 Open uh, Finals. That was Sammy Henson, huh? Was Sammy. Yeah. And what was we it like to wrestle that monster? Well, it was crazy because we were training partners and I was obviously older and uh honestly we we trained a lot but we didn't go live on live very much i was older and at the time you know but i will tell you this the gains that he made when he got to missouri the gains that he made when he got to mizzou oh my goodness i mean when he was in high school and we would wrestle it was like this this is one of the toughest high school wrestlers i've ever wrestled now i could put two more guys on there that, uh, you know, a couple guys that I coached and a couple other guys that I've met, but Sammy Henson. Oh my goodness. Uh, it was, you know, you might be older and you might've already I, I graduated college, obviously and wrestling college and, 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 but that young man was, was unbelievable. And so uh, when we met that night, I, I felt that things would go my way. And uh, right off the bat, we got into a good hand fight and everything. And then there was a moment where he went to, to, to throw, and I tried to throw myself through the throw faster than he was throwing. And he caught me in the middle of that. And I came up with him in my arms, and the referee, a good friend of mine who was just in town this weekend, said to me, uh, Gary, put him down. I pinned you on the way through. And I was like, okay. And that's the only time I got pinned internationally, but that was uh, an international style wrestling, but, but that was a great one. And, uh, you know, and we've been lifelong friends ever since and, and uh, his family and my family and my girls grew up idolizing him and, and watching him wrestle and, and uh, his world championship in Iran. I mean, Tehran, that's, that's one of the classics of all time because by the time he was done, his energy took over that gym, that arena, and they were chanting for him to win. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So yeah. Can't say I, I, I've seen that match, but it's been a long time. Was he wrestling an Iranian? No. Okay. Um, so, um, cause that uh, would have been something cause those guys are psychos. Well, they, well I mean, in Iran, it's, it's their national, it's their national sport. Yeah. So if you're a wrestler in Iran, it's again, it's it's very similar to being a wrestler in Iowa. You're it's it's a big deal. And yeah. so yeah. Well, I met Sammy, I've met him a couple times, but the first time I met him, he was just in the airport and I was like, Hey, Sammy the Bull Henson. And he was like, Hey, and I shook his hand. Oh and, and he was over 50 at the time. And I was just like, Man, this guy is just made out of rocks, even now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I can't I, was, imagine. He was in Princeton this last weekend and we, we always lock in and kind of give a, a you know, a, a full lock body lock type hug. And he stood up to do it. And, and every time I do that, his back is like hitting this wood, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, he's, he's still the bull. Yeah, he sure is. Um, all right. So where do I go from here? Of all the great wrestlers you had at Oak park, cause you know, I graduated 94 Right. So I used to read the Kansas City Star, and uh, I'd be like, "Man, they've got quite the program." And I and I always knew you from a distance, like I I saw you and and, and kind of knew who you were without knowing you. Um, so I always read about your teams, 
and I wrestled Brett Williams when I was seven or eight. And to this day, it's the best. I, I beat him on criteria two to two. Wow. And, okay. uh, and I wish I had that match on tape because I wrestled from seven to 20 and it was probably the, still the best victory I've ever had in my life. <laughs> even yeah. at the time, even at the time he was already a two or three time state champ, even as a little kid. Yep. And he went on to have an amazing career. Amazing. Um, so anyway, I, that's my little humble brag that I beat Brett Williams when I was seven right. years old. Um, <laughs> but he was amazing. Um, and I've had Ricky on my podcast. Um, yep. So speak to, so I, I know you went to Staley, but I'm not as familiar with the wrestlers right. you had there. Right. Um, so well, speak a little bit about Oak Park and your yeah. time there. Well, at Oak Park, I mean, we just, we had a, a collection of coaches that were phenomenal. Um, the coaches that we had there, uh, most of them had wrestled at OP. And many of them, most, well, I think all of them, I was fortunate enough to have coached at that time with them and, and while they were going through school. And so what it did is it, is it built the system, you know, these guys live the system and then they turn around and coach the system. And, um, you know, you bring up Ricky Williams. I mean, he's, he is always in the top five that I think came through that school. Um, he, he was, he was so quick and, and, and slick and uniquely powerful when through leverage points, when, when, because his positioning in wrestling was so well done that, um, and then he had the right mentality too. You know, he, he was, he was very calm in really tough positions. I remember one time we were in North Kansas city and, and, um, he, he got knocked out in, or he got injured in a match and they disqualified him based on that. And he was undefeated at the time. So it was going to, he was going to take a loss in this deal, you know? And um, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, I, I was, I'm supposed to be the adult. I'm the one that's broke up about it. He he's mad at first, but then he gets, he gets past that and he's like, okay, here we go. You know? And you just look at that. And I think that, you know, Brett, I'll never forget that uh, Brett's sophomore year, he he hurts his back. He's, uh, I, I believe he made, he made world team or he made, yeah, he made the world team, cadet world team at the end of that summer or the previous one. And he, he, he'd gone up two weights and then gets a bronze medal. You know, wow. you just don't do that. No one does that. And, and, and I told him, I said, you've got to work on your weight management. And, and he went and got a bronze medal. Then he comes back and we, we we're out running on uh, a road that at the time, no, no houses were on. We just out running and, and went out for runs in the mornings to, to work on that, to just, he and I together sometimes on the weekends and we'd talk and run. And, and now of course there's neighborhoods everywhere. Cause that's where Staley ended up being put up. And, uh, but it, it, it was just great to be around him. And he had this, this lower back issue. He was fighting off. And then that year, that's the year he got third at state, but both him and Ricky are, are some of those unique individuals that got their hand raised all four years of their last match in high school, three state titles, and then each got third. 
And they both got third their sophomore year. They both won it as a freshman, turned around, got third. And and a lot of it, I I think that that with Brett, at least, I think his lower back had a lot to do with that because there was just days he could not wrestle. And yet when it came time to wrestle, it's like, all right, I'll piece it together and I'll make this happen. And he has the ability to do that. And and his ability was so high that he could do that. And, um, you know, now he's at, at Kearney and he's working with the women's team there and and I, I just could not be more proud of the work that he's done and, and, and that in giving back and uh, sharing. And, and with both of those guys, they both had to learn a little bit about coaching, which I enjoyed watching them do that because, you know, when they're as talented as they are and as, as dedicated as they were to the sport, uh, and they could literally about they they could grab a human and do a backflip with them in their arms. I mean, they were talented people. And yeah. when you're like that, and then you turn around, you got to coach people that aren't like that. That's a new world for them. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they can do it, but that doesn't mean your athletes can do it. And so that's that's a pretty neat moment. And I and I think the same way. I mean, another set of brothers that comes to mind is the Baileys. I mean, Zach. I mean, that guy. Uh, very much the same tool sets that that Ricky Williams has unbelievable speed quickness and power through leverage and then you know you throw in a Dustin Brewer uh, in there where that guy's just so disciplined in how he does business that that there's success there right and I mean Smith I mean there, there's Smith went on to be just a, a a life changer for so many young athletes and uh when he wrestled, you know, he, he loved the sport. He fought hard, but what he's done as a coach far exceeds, you know, anything that he did while he was in high school. So the give back that he's done. And, and, and again, I could name the neat part about it. I mean, there's so many people, I mean, you know, that, that have gone down this road and then they turn around and they give back and they're coaching now and, and uh, just could not, could not be happier for them. And, for the athletes that are fortunate enough to be underneath those, those, those men now. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I going back to Williams real quick. I loved watching Brett wrestle. Um, every time I got a chance to watch him wrestle, I did. Um, and I never got to watch Ricky cause he was a few years older than me. Um, but I loved watching Brett and, and a funny story. I think I've told this before, but I, I asked him, I, I saw him like the next year, a couple years later at the blue Valley tournament where we wrestled. And I came up to him before the term and I'm like, Hey Brett, do you remember wrestling me? And he go, he looks at me and he goes, who won? And I go, I did. And he goes, no, I don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. That's, that's a deal where, you know, with, with Mac Bailey, you know, I I would, I would watch film and I'd go back into practice. We'd have a tournament on Saturday. And one time in particular, it hit me really hard because he was a sophomore and, and, um, I watched film over the weekend after we got back on Sunday and wrote down a bunch of notes and on Monday came back in, started working with him on it. And he, and I said, look, this is what you did. This is what we need to do. And he goes, I didn't do that. And I go, Matt, you really did do it. So it, it's okay. You made a mistake, but we'll, we'll fix it. I didn't do that. <laughs> Matt, listen to me. I watched the film <laughs> and we need to, we'll watch the film together tonight. And he goes, I'm just telling you right now, I didn't do that. That's not something I do. And what was crazy is, is at the time I was so angry with him because I was like, I watched the video. I wrote the notes. Here they are. And he was so adamant that it was like, nope. See, and I'm the opposite. I'm the kind of person that 
I, if you, you can ask me what my losses were in high school, and I remember every single one of those. I do not remember most of the wins. I really don't. But if it's a loss, I, I can tell you I got pinned in Lawson's gym as a freshman, 62 pounds. We went into that, that duel that night, and I went to Coach Tuck, and I said, hey, I want to wrestle. And he goes, there is no one for you to wrestle. And I said, no, there has to be someone I can wrestle. He goes, the lightest guy they have is 119. And I said, well, would he wrestle an exhibition match after he wrestles JV? And he goes, well, probably. And I go, well, sign me up for that one. And so about, uh, I don't know, a minute 38 into it, he's got me in a cradle and pins me, you know. But I got pinned once in high school, and that was that match. And I and I remember – and even we went there one time at, at Staley. I think the first year we were at Staley, we went back to Lawson Duels or something. And I, I cringed when I went in the building, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm the opposite. I, I'm if it's a loss, I'm going to remember the loss. And anybody that that beat me, I was always I knew exactly who they were. And uh, but but it, it makes sense to me that Brett would say that because th- there was a unique group of guys that went through that I learned a lot from because it was like their their mind didn't operate that way. When there was a mistake made, it was like you made that mistake. No, I didn't. I don't make <laughs> like okay, let's move on, you know. But it was so far removed from my m- mindset that it was it was interesting. So that makes total sense to me. Yeah, um, some other guys that I wrestled that ended up doing really well in in high school. Um, I beat Derek Bland, but we were kids and he wasn't near as good at the time. He he oh, got much goodness. better. I don't think I would have beaten him in high school. I'm just being honest. I don't think I would have beaten him. Plus, he was bigger than me in high school too. But um, he improved a lot. Um, you might have him his freshman year, but after that, I, I would start putting money on him. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he took his junior year, he took five losses in a row to an amazing athlete out of St. Joe Central. And defending Joe State Herrera. Central. Yep. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, every every match he wrestled, he got better. He got pinned, he got teched. Then he turned around and he he lost a, a 9-3, I think, or a 9-4, something like that. And then we started talking and we were we just kept watching film on Herrera. And then we started working on this thing called a half shot. And all it was was to start your shot in, but don't commit. Because if you committed with Herrera, the second you touched his legs, that fight was taken to a new level. And uh, so we started, we, we started this thing where we were going to half shot him. So in the district finals – we did this with him and um, um, or regional tournament at that time. And, and he, we got close. I mean, we lost like five, six to him. And then at the state tournament, we caught him again and, uh, and he beat him in, in, in overtime, I think. And it, it was crazy. It was, it was watching someone grow that much in two years, but then watching them, you know, you know, it's like a lot of times, I mean, you go to the weight room, when you first go in the weight room, you see some really good major gains, right? Because your technique's probably not good. You get your technique down and then you start getting a little stronger and you start expecting more of yourself and you, you rise. Well, when you do that in wrestling, you, you start make, maybe you make that jump. But to watch someone make a monumental jump after they've made an already monumental jump, 
that's that's rare. It's rare. And and Derek was one of the guys that taught me a lot about that ability to do that. And his dad was just such a a, a great person and friend to me personally. And he was a a, a state um, champ at at OP and and uh, in the early days. And then um, you know we just got through getting a recruit out of PA this year, uh, Val Solera, and uh, and, and Val Solera. And she, she was coached by Rob Bland. And uh, so it, it's, it's always amazing to me, you know, Rob called me one night and said, you know, you told us to call when we had our kids. And I said, you bet where you at? And he said, I'm at Liberty hospital. I said, I'll be there. It's one o'clock in the morning, you know, but it was awesome. Got to go over there and, and get to shake his hand and pull him in and a hug and, and we're standing in front of the window looking at her daughter, his daughter. So those are moments that, you know what I mean? I, I, I can't tell you how many weddings I've been to and, and those kinds of things, but it's, it's when you're around amazing people like they were, you, you want to be around them more in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I could tell that Derek was going to be good. We wrestled when we were real little. And then I think he took a few years off yep. and then we wrestled in eighth grade in the beginning of the year. I, I, I beat him pretty good. And then we right. wrestled again towards the end of the year and it was four to one. And I was like, I don't know what this kid did, but holy crap, he's gotten a lot better. And then when I saw him in the paper in high school, I'm like, I used, I used to handle this kid and right. he's freaking great now. He, um, he really did change. It was amazing. Yeah. I had him on my podcast, uh, gosh, it's probably been a year or so ago. And, and that's been the coolest thing about this during COVID is when I started reaching out to, to ex-wrestlers because so right. many people – so many people, even world champions, don't get to tell their story, and they've been so gracious with their time. Um, I've had Olympic champions, uh, world champions, NCAA champions, and some of my favorites are state champions from my own state that I knew growing up, growing up from a distance, but I didn't know them, and now I talk to them, and some of them I'm friends with, and I'm like, this is, this is so freaking cool. I, I texted Derek this morning asking him about some of the guys he was, uh, he came up with. And one of the names that come up uh, that I wanted to, and this is the last question I'll ask you about Oak Park was uh, Micah Gardner. Oh and now that, now that is somebody that I did not beat. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know if I could have beaten him in kids, but I know I could have wrestled him better than I did, but I was terrified of Micah Gardner. Oh. Oh. And my, my son's name is Micah and not after Micah, but I always love that name. I love yep. the way it looked on a bracket. It just looked it was a sweet looking name, M-I-C-A-H. Yep. And, uh, and, and my friend Derek Lane, who I don't know if you know him or not, but he, he passed away. He's been gone for over 20 years, but, uh, he, uh, he used to talk about, about Micah Gardner and we used to talk on the phone for hours and he would build Micah up so much like this dude is the baddest. He, he goes one time I go, did you ever beat him? And he, I remember the story. He was like, one time I threw him straight to his back and I got up five to nothing. And I ended up getting beat 17 to five. And, uh, and, and Derek could tell a story. So when I saw Micah Gardner in my bracket and I'm like 10 years old, I was crapping my pants. I'm like, Oh, I got to wrestle Micah Gardner. And I think he beat me like six to one or something, but I didn't do anything. I was just so like terrified of him. And the second time we wrestled, it was a little closer, but not much. Um, but, and he was just such a nice kid off the mat, um, but on, on the mat, just a terror. 
And uh, I was so psyched out by Micah Gardner. I would love to uh, get him on here someday, but I don't know. If, you should. You should. Yeah. He is. He is a great person. And uh, you know, you're right. He he's so humble. But I really do think God threw a lightning bolt down on him. There are there are certain humans that it seems like they can do about anything. I mean, I. I don't know. I, I could do a standing backflip until I got metal hips. And so I was in my mid to late forties by that time. And, you know, I, I dove in high school. I, I enjoyed it, but this guy, it, the, it was crazy. He was an eighth grader. I think he walked into the gym. We were working out on a Sunday night and uh, a couple of guys, I was teaching them to do a backflip because I always thought a backflip was important in wrestling because it's an explosive action. You you have to have faith in yourself because you can't see where you're going. And then you've got to try to stick the landing on the backside. And when you throw in the, the positivity of, of working the proprioceptors in a, in a hard firing, a vertical firing like that, and then turning your body upside down and, and being in control of your body enough to do that, I think it's is just a good starting point. And so Michael walks in, he sees me us doing it and he goes, well, I think I could try that. And I'm like, I'll bet you could, because he was just that kind of an athlete. Right. And I said it and, and I got up to walk over and I said, you know, I, I'll spot you. And before I get to him, he throws it and puts it on his feet in one go. And I'm like, wow. hey, hold on. You've done that before. And he goes, coach, that's the first one I've done in my life. And I go, that's amazing. And it, it was just, it was his courage. It was his, I mean, everything. And, you know, and his, his state finals, his senior year haunted me for a couple of years. And then finally I reframed it and it became one of my greatest memories. But for a while, it just haunted me that, that someone like a Micah Gardner could lose in this match. Right. So he wrestles this guy out of St. Louis and his his freshman year, Tim takes and he, he his his junior year he's undefeated, and he's just rolling through everyone in the state, right? And then Micah wrestles him in the state finals, and beats him, and and the way he beats him, it's such a knockdown drag out match, and then with about I don't know, 15, 20 seconds left. Micah hits this single leg that should not have worked, but he made it work and comes up, runs through it, gets the takedown, wins the title. So one year goes by Micah coming back and Micah now has gone up in weight to help us. Like he, he tech falled the 71 pound state champion from Park Hill because we moved him up to do it. Wow. And so then, so he wrestles 45 as a junior, then goes up. He, he's, he's, he's supposed to wrestle 52 fours, but he's up and wait a little bit. So we're going to have him wrestle at 60. Well, we get in this, this big duel with Park Hill and we've got a problem. We've got an injury at 71. So Micah goes up to 71 and tech falls the defending state champ for him. And wow. he's just phenomenal. Right. And, and, and if you know, Micah, like you do, you know that you could bank on that. And, and that's crazy talk. You, you don't, no one thinks like that, but we're like, yeah, do it. And he does it. And I think Schmelsley, I think it was. And so then 
I remember that name, Matt Schmelzy. I have a, yeah. I have a crazy memory for stuff like that. Yeah, I, I tell you what, he won a match his sophomore year, I think, in our gym that was one of the best matches I think I've seen. But Micah turns around the next year, and word is that he's going to go 52. He's going to go down, back down to 52. But our 52 pounder is doing really well. So it's like, why don't we just leave you at 60? And he's like, yeah. And so um, Mike had been dealing with some stuff and, and his weight. And, and, and we're like, you don't need to go down. I mean, look what you did at 71. And so this guy is undefeated at 45. Goes up to 52 because he thinks Mike is coming down. He realizes that at districts, he realizes that Mike is not going down. So he goes up and then both of them come back out and meet the state finals again. And the match looks like it did the last time. This time when Micah goes to hit that crazy single leg where he gets upside down in the middle of it, this guy throws him onto his, like pulls both feet back and drops Micah onto his back. And Micah spent the last three, four seconds of the bout on his back. And that's how the match ended. And I just, for like three or four years, it just haunted me like, constantly that I just couldn't imagine someone like Micah Gardner finishing out his high school career on his back, you know, fighting off. And I just, it, it hurt me. It hurt my soul, I think. And then, then I reframed it and I thought, wait a second, the more I learned about the sport and the more, you know, I got through college on it, you know, from that, from later on in college, I started realizing some stuff, but then the more that I coached, it finally dawned on me that really, was there any other way to finish that bout out? It was either he gets the takedown again and it looks the same way it did the year before. That, that I mean, this guy, what he did was he took his teammates, he took his three teammates around his weight and he gave them T-shirts, white T-shirts that he wrote Micah Gardner's name on. And he said, you have to wear this at practice. And they knew what that meant. They knew they were going to take a beat down for that. But wow. it was crazy what he did and how bad he wanted that match. And so at the end of the day, I just, you know, I came to, to peace with it because at the end of the day, what happened is Micah fully went for the win again, you know, and it just and, happened. It didn't, it didn't turn out the way he wanted, but and, yeah. It was and, and didn't he like have a, didn't he like break his femur or something crazy oh, his sophomore year? His sophomore year, uh, we were, you know, he was going into it and he had, I, I believe he got beat by Keck his freshman year in the third place bout, if I'm right. That's a long time ago. But but he he wrestled phenomenal because I think Keck was a senior that year, junior senior. And, uh, I mean, he just wrestled a great match. And we were looking so forward to him. We really felt he might be a three-timer, you know. And then his... Uh, Next year, he's playing football, and he catches a ball on a slick field, and um, um, guy ran through him, and he has leg locked out and broke his femur, and uh, season was done. But yeah, came and back to, to, and put himself to, in finals twice. Yeah, to come back from from yeah. that, I mean, breaking your femur is not—that's uh, not spraining an ankle. That's a big freaking deal. And what no one knows, too, was he, he had a much harder fight than that, okay? Um, 
because he was out that sophomore year, it devastated him. I mean, he, he did not handle that very well. I mean, he's such an athlete. He knew what he could do and then he wasn't getting to do it. And it, it, it hurt him. And, um, unfortunately got involved in a little fisticuffs and this person was terrified of him also because he took him to the ground and and then he made a mistake and got up off of him and he hit him from behind with a three inch cable and it literally shattered one part, one side of his face. And he was in surgery for like 13 hours with that. And that was in the spring of that year. So fall of the year, he breaks his femur, the spring of the year, he gets that. And then he dealt with a, with another issue, a health issue that no one, when you're 17 deals with, but he dealt with it. And it was, it's, it's why his weight, he couldn't adjust his weight. And so uh, just, uh, it, it tells you the story really of what a phenomenal athlete this young man was. I mean, just could do anything, could do anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember I, I remember, I don't remember much about our matches, but I do remember when we, when he came at me, you know, at 10 or 12 or whatever we were being like, wow, no kid has ever felt like this before. Oh. <laughs> you know, I agree more. I mean, there was times where we, he and I'd be wrestling and he would reach out and grab the bottom part of my tricep. And I might have like a V block thumb block on, you know, on his bicep and he would just pull me in and I would have to, relinquish the position or to lose my thumb. You know, it was like, how are you doing that? You know, and, and just, and, and then like, again, his quickness and his cat like nature. I mean, just, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, did he didn't, so he didn't wrestle in college, right? No. Okay. Yeah. I remember his dad too. I remember that guy was freaking yoked. That guy was yeah. a beast. Yeah. yeah, he was. And, and Ryan, his older brother, very much like Ricky, very much like, uh, Derek very much, uh, uh, Zach. I mean, all the older brothers, it was crazy there for a while. I mean, we had athletes go through Oak park that the oldest of the brothers were almost all identical and they were, they were calm. They were, you know, this now the Blands, they were different. Uh, Rob was not like, but, but Mac, you know, obviously, you know, you know, the younger brothers tended to be the ones that were lightning fast, had unbelievable talent. And and I think part of it is that the older brother paid the way with greatness and they, they just got it at a younger age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was. So that rolled through a park changed that whole school. So uh, did you ever have a four timer? Yeah, we had, we had five. Oh, wow. uh, you know, at the time, I think there was four in the state and then we went on a roll and, and, uh, just, yeah, uh, you know, really, really talented people. I know, you know, we were, we were so close to getting another one where, you know, I, 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 I just didn't make the, the call fast enough for Dustin, but Dustin's freshman year, he, uh, He's in the state finals against an outstanding senior, a, a, a well-known name out of St. Louis. And uh, he, uh, he got down. I don't know. It was, it was like nine to one, nine, two, something like that. And then we were like, you know what? Take him, let him up, let him up. Let's go. And he, he stormed all the way back and lost. I want to say 
14, 13, 15, 14, something like that. Wow. Uh, and it was like, if I would have made that call a little earlier, I, I think there could have been a different outcome there. And yeah. uh, then he went on the next three years and did not lose another match. And, and, and I mean, he whipped in Franca um, two or three times. I mean, just, they had knocked down drag outs and it was just great to, to watch those guys go. And, and uh, but yeah. And, and who was that? Dustin. Dustin, Dustin. Brewer. 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 Okay. Yeah. And then, and then obviously Cody Brewer came back through and went four and then went to OU, did everything, you know, I didn't realize they were, I, were they Staley or Oak Park? They were Oak Park. They were okay. Oak Park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't and, realize that. I didn't realize they yeah. were there. Um, yeah. Who else then from, uh, who else were your four timers from Oak Park? Well, Zach Bailey. Um, and then, um, you know, we, we had some other brother combos there, but, the you know and mac bailey so both of them were brothers and and they both won it uh for um try and think now we'd already talked about uh, a couple of the others and and i just again they the four timers were unique but for me the ones that really stuck out the hardest were the guys like the three timers um you know we we had some brothers that, that, that did, that accomplished that as well. And, um, you know, uh, the joiners, uh, the older joiner blew a knee out, blew it, lost an ACL, had it repaired, came back the next year, lost the ACL in the first, I, I mean, the first month of season and then wrestled the rest of the year on a blown ACL. Wow. And, and, uh, and, his younger brother became a three-timer for us and his, his last three years, I think he gave up something crazy, like one takedown or something. So there, wow. I, you know, there's so many that, that went through there that I just can't, you know, we were just fortunate that we had, like I said, we had great coaches. We had a great environment there. And the part that I was very proud of too, is that these, these men, these young men did it uh, behind the bleachers on the mezzanine, you know, we, we had a, a 22 by 68 range. I mean, we never, we didn't ever have a, a legal mat size and uh, all the work that they did there and, and how they put it together and all that just amazing. So very happy for all those, anybody that came through OP and then Staley was just a different deal. I mean, Staley was, we walked in there and, and started off brand new and, and we really had literally two wrestlers that had wrestled very much at all the first year we started. And within three years, those, those people were, were doing great things. I mean, and hats off to Patrick Rhodes. I mean, there's a two time fourth place finisher. He wrestled his freshman year at o OP. And then when Staley opened, he was the one guy that came with us. Everybody else stayed at OP. They had 129 returning points and they won the 3A title that that year. We had won five titles in a row at large class, and then when the school split, they turned around and won the next year as well again. And then at Staley, we we started off brand new and and, and fresh, and and those uh, totally different scenario there. But I just I, I cannot imagine. There was a time I, 
my wife and I, we got married at Oak Park. We got married in the building. We didn't have any money. So the, 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 the custodians volunteered their time and we got married in the theater. And so we had like 650 people at our wedding, most of them with bad ears. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just awesome. And yet, you know, we, we, we got it for basically nothing. And uh, it was a great, you know, uh, so many of our wrestlers were in the wedding for us and with us. And, and I mean, and again, people, people that we, we, we haven't even talked about, you know, like you know, Brent Taney. I mean, that guy, uh, there's another one that, that, you know, went on, you know, wrestled one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. His, his senior year, he beats Guyton, who's a defending three-time state champ uh, or two-time state champ at the time going for his third. And, um, uh, he had tech followed us and pinned us in the same weekend over at the, the, uh, the tournament uh, uh, over in St. Louis and, wow. and then turned around later on in the year and beat him five, six in the state semis, you know, and, and Guyton's undefeated and, and goes on to win that and then turns around and is ACC freshman of the year for, for, uh, for Clemson. And went down there to wrestle with Sammy when Sammy won his first title down there. And they, they became great lifelong friends as well. And so just, again, that crew of people, those two decades, you could go so deep into that. And then at Staley, again, I can't imagine I, I came, what I was telling you about the wedding is because I really felt that I wasn't going to leave Oak Park because I loved it there. I mean, we were winning and we, like I said, we had 129 points coming back the next year. Why not stay and win another title and, and keep, you know, but uh, uh, again, a man stopped me, a principal and said, what are you doing? What, what are you thinking here? If you're, if you're really, if you're really capable of changing and making things better, why in the world would you not go where they're building a high school in the middle of the field that they have nothing up there in wrestling. And why don't you challenge yourself and figure it out? And I was like, that's a good point. Let's try this. And then I just wrote today. I just, I wrote this today. Um, Coach Fulham, he had wrote me, written me several things today on, and he sent me some matches from the late seventies. Some, we, we trade college matches all the time and stuff. And I just wrote to him, this is exactly why you were my first call when I took the job at Staley. It was the best choice I think I've ever made in my coaching career. Your ability to adjust and adapt in, in the ways that you think and the, always balancing the basic fundamentals with whatever the next growth of our sport demanded, but always falling back to the fundamentals. You read our sport so well. People sometimes get caught in paradigm paralysis, but you never did. You know, that those times at Staley, I can't imagine if I wouldn't have taken that chance. So, and it's helped too, because at the end of the day, we had to start from scratch and we came up here to Iowa and we started from scratch, Coach Chun and myself and Coach Verbeek. So it's been a great, you know, and, and again, certain, like we talked about it an hour ago, the challenges that lay in front of us sometimes seem unsurmountable or they seem like they're, they're too difficult. But if we, if we figure them out and most of the time through wrestling, the thing I, I love wrestling for so many reasons, but one of them is just simply because when someone is, a, we put our hands on our problems. 
And then we try to manipulate or impose our will upon that. But if we don't take care of our own business and have our position right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think that follows us and it followed you through life. And what's the flag behind you? Who's that for? Um, actually, a friend of mine gave it to us when we got married. They flew it above the Capitol in Topeka. Um, awesome. Yeah. On the day on the day they were married, on the day my wife and I were married, the, uh, the person who gave it to me, they had flown it because of our wedding, which... Okay a friend of mine had them do it. And then, gosh, I'm, I, I feel bad. I'm kind of blowing the story, but it, it was, it was flown above the Capitol specifically for our wedding. Um, and then my friend gave it to me. Um, I'm butchering the story, but that, no, that's, that's, that's what it's from. Well, yeah. and, you know, just recently we've got a young lady from Kansas and, and, you know, we're asking her to do, we're asking all of our athletes to level up, get better, improve right now. And, uh, you know, I took a picture of the Capitol there in Topeka where they've got that native Kansan drawing the arrow back, you know, and then the Latin phrase aspera, uh, addis, and, and meaning through difficulty, the stars, you know, yeah, we, we can, we can shoot for the stars if we're willing to take on difficult and, Again, just what I just got through saying is always paired back to then your story of the flag, then going back through to her story. It, it's always about it always comes back to hard work and dedication does a lot of great things. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, going through something like that with my with my comedy career. I'm trying to not just be funny, but I'm trying to make people think about certain things yeah. that maybe that maybe they've they haven't thought about concerning our country and the place we're in right now and all the division that I feel is by design and I won't get into all that right now, but it's, I try to make it funny, but I also, it, it's kind of scary to talk about things in front of a comedy crowd that isn't necessarily funny, but right. I, I'm also, my job is also to make people think about things and certain things that I start to talk about, uh, my throat starts to get tight and I can feel my heart beating in a different way. And it, it's, it, it causes me a lot of anxiety, but I also know that I will never become what I feel God created me to be until I do those things. And God will never give me what I deserve until I've used all the abilities he's given me. Courageous and, conversations are tough. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't do that in wrestling. I was very natural at it. Um, but I had this fear of losing, and so I, I, I never found out how good I could have been at wrestling. And I was pretty good, but I think I could have been a lot better. I know I could have had I done had I had a different mentality about it and not been so afraid of losing. So in comedy, I, I, I want that laugh. Oh, I want to get a laugh. Everything I say. That's how I was taught. But I know that. That I know that I can do that, and there's more to it than that. It's not just about getting a laugh every second. Um, and some of the stuff may be kind of controversial or whatever, but it all comes from a place of love, and I'm trying to convey that. And it's much easier said than done, I'll tell you that. And sometimes, and sometimes I nail it, and then other times I'm like, all right, I've got this. And then I'll go up and well, <laughs> I you know, don't got it. When I was with USA Wrestling, um, 
you know, I traveled across the country and the globe and, um, you know, you go in, it's crazy where you'll, 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 you'll go through a, a workout or a practice and you're like, man, this is changing things. This is awesome. And then you do it with a different group of people and it doesn't work. And you're like, wait a second. And it's just that, you know, your children, my children, all three of my children are different. And, and every athlete on our squad here at Iowa, they're all different in their own ways. And, and many of them are a lot different than each other. And yet at the end of the day, we make a team out of it. And uh, what works for one will not work for all, but uh, we, we have to work within those means. And, but you know, Will Rogers still talked about today and he was very funny guy, but uh, he always had a social message to, to put out and uh, it, it, it's lasted a long time. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's what I want to, that's what I'm, you know, I've got this very th- important thing to me coming up on the 22nd and I've got some things that I'm going to have a lot of friends and family there. And, and uh, it's a little nerve wracking, not just because they're there, but because I have some, uh, you know, it's not like my, my act is mainly funny. I try to make it funny, but there are a few things that I want to talk about that are pretty scary for me to talk about. So I'm, right. but I'm going to do it. Um, well, I'm very happy about that. Thanks, sure. man. Um, I won't keep you on here all day, but I, I did have a couple more questions. Um, right. We haven't even got to talk about the Iowa program yet. Right. Um, really? Hey. Yeah. Well, I did want to ask you real quick, though. Um, what's the difference between coaching women and men? Ooh, that's a great question. And it's one that I'm learning every day. I bet. Uh, we had a talk uh, this morning. We were in weight room and uh, our women were just blowing it up today. They were just because it, we're in a weird week. We came off of uh, Sunday and then we're mandatory. We have to take Monday off if we go Sunday because Sunday is our normal day off. So we have to give that to them. And then they came in for RTC practice, but not Iowa practice yesterday. So today they come back. Well, we leave Thursday for Mo Valley open. And uh, so today, uh, our strength coach brought them in and, and gave them two options. And one of the things we're always after is autonomy. We want them to be autonomous. We want them to be self-thinking and self-directed and also be able to self-advocate, you know, and be strong enough to do that. You know, that 94% of all the women that become CEOs or leaders in communities and that, they all have, 94% of them have background in women's sports. And more than half of them from college, you know, from college activities. And when, you know, we, we say that our women on average have a, a 68 hour work week. When you match up all the work they do on and off the mat and then match up their academic studies and then their class time, it works out to be about 68 hours of work week. And not everybody can do that. You've got, you've got to be a time manager. You've got to be on task. And, and you, you've got to be disciplined and be motivated. And so um, it's amazing. It, it, I, I'm learning that, you know, I taught psychology for 22 years and, and most of it sports psychology. And you, you learn a lot from it, but then you get in the middle of it and you start seeing. And what I always don't like to do is generalize. But if I was to generalize, the, the, you know, to your question is that, I believe one of the biggest things is the fact that they communicate so well. And because they communicate so well, whatever you say, 
it better be don't say too much and don't say too little. You've got to find the right balance that goes into them because they're honestly listening and taking it in. And they will echo you about three months later if, if something changes. And so <laughs> it is, it is that part of it, I think, is one of the greatest things about it. Because when you communicate with them, they communicate back so well. And uh, I've just been amazed. But they, they are an exceptional group of human beings, first of all. And um, just I love working with them. I'm so fortunate. The coaching staff here, uh, our strength coach is amazing. Uh, obviously, head coach, Coach Chun, and then Coach Verbeek. Uh, coach Chun, you know, she Olympic medalist. Um, she's done it all. She's been a pioneer in, her, in, her, in our sport. She was on the Mo Valley team when the Mo Valley team was the first women's team to offer a scholarship in college. Okay. And she knows what it's like to be there. And the way that she treats her athletes is phenomenal. And then Coach Verbeek, probably one of the only women I know of that ran both the men's and women's national team for their country. She's from Canada. And so just tremendous people. And, and uh, so it's a great experience. But overall, I, I would have to say communication-wise, uh, you know, communicating with with uh, male athletes is a little different than what I'm experiencing here, but it's, it's unbelievably rewarding. Yeah. I have heard uh, other coaches say that, that women, uh, women wrestlers, they listen better than the men. I think that's uh, just, you know, that's the first stage of communication, right? You got to yeah. listen to it. You got to figure out what, what's coming at you and then create an idea of what you want to give back and, and, and what feedback is going to be there. And, and they they do an exceptional job. I find that in normal and just everyday life too. Like there there's there are people you can, you talk to and and you can tell they're not listening to you. They're just waiting to speak, <laughs> and that drives me crazy. It also drives me crazy if someone lets me get eight words into a ten word sentence and then they interrupt me and I'm like I was right there. I I was about to make my point and now I got to circle back back around for ten minutes to get to where I was about to get to before you had to interrupt me. <laughs> it's my about biggest pet peeve. Ago, about eight minutes ago, you threw out something and it caught me. And I was like, I want, that's what I want to talk about. And then, and then you continued and I had to stop. And I literally told myself, stop thinking about what you were going to say, because then I wanted to hear what you were giving me. But it, it is, it's something that we, have to work on daily and I have to work on it all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm sorry if I did that to you today because no, I, no, it, no, you never did that. I, I okay. did what I, okay. and, and that's what I mean by that. It's, it's like, you know, it, it has to be an active thing. And, um, the more I read about it, the more I try to, to operate in it, you know, because again, if the communication level is higher then as a coach, I've got to get above that to help them. And yeah. my problem is the reason why you tend to interrupt is because uh, as a coach, we're supposed to have the answer. Right. And I love the fact that here, a lot of times we, we take the long route and we, we try to draw the answer from our athletes more. And, uh, and, yeah. and it is longer to do that, but, uh, and it doesn't always go the direction that you thought it was too either. You, you yeah. got to be ready to do that, but it's, it's been awesome. 
Well, all the success you've had, what what would you, if you could point to one thing as your best attribute as a coach? I, I don't know. I, I hope, I hope that that's because I'm a long-term relationship builder. You know, I, I told my athletes here at, at Iowa, I said, I'm not saying I, I'm not, I'm not this bubbly jump out. Hey, me come here, you know, that kind of thing. I just believe that anything worth doing is long-term. Everything is long-term. Winning's awesome, but winning over time is really hard. And, and so right off the bat, it, it has to be a long-term win-win. You know, we tell our recruits all the time, you know, it, we'd love to have you here in black and gold, but at the end of the day, this has to be a win for you and it has to be a win for the University of Iowa. And if we can't match up those two, then this probably shouldn't happen because at the end, it only lasts a year or two then. And what we want is a lifetime. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, like you brought up Derek Bland and we ran across each other um, at, a, at a UCM football game uh, this, this fall. My wife went into the Hall of Fame down there and, and we went to the football game that day. And, and, and all of a sudden I turn and there's Derek, you know, and it just one of my favorite people on the planet and it's just it's there's so many amazing humans in wrestling you know my wife tells our daughters all the time and it was neat because my i heard my youngest daughter say to a fan this weekend that was talking about it and she said my mom always says that that uh that there's no better crazy than there is in wrestling because there's crazy people in wrestling and there's no better crazy than in wrestling. And there's also no worse crazy than a wrestler. Because <laughs> the ones that go too far, they're way out there. But for for 90% of the people in wrestling or more, um, you know, I was in Princeton last weekend and I made a phone call to a friend of ours that, that became a friend of ours because I was on a flight. Uh, we landed at Newark. I was working for USA wrestling and uh, all of a sudden about three rows up on the right, Dom Bradley stands up and I'm like, Dom, and he turns, he goes, coach. And I'm like, Dom, what are you doing? He goes, I'm in to do a clinic. What are you doing? I'll go, I'm doing the same thing. He goes, where are you going? I go, I don't know. He goes, you don't know where you're going. I said, no, I'm going to get off the plane and I've got this number. I call, I don't know the person, but I'm going to call them. And then, where are you staying? I'm staying with them. Where at? I said, I don't know, Don. And I ended up, it was Lopat Gong. It was a place in middle New Jersey. And I stayed there for five days with them. And what it was, I'd been on the road so much and I'd been living out of hotels. And so they called me to do this, re this regional clinic for Northeast region. And I said, it was going to be in Jersey. And I said, great. And uh, I said, I've got one request. And they were like, what? And I said, I don't want to stay in a hotel. And you go, really? We, we got you in a nice hotel. I said, I don't want to stay in a hotel. So if you can find me a family, put me in there. If they got an extra bedroom, I'll sleep on the couch. I don't care. You know? And they were like, Oh, there's a lot of people would love to host you. And I'm like, well, get me one of them, you know, and uh, <laughs> go there. I didn't know them at all. Stayed with them five days. They are lifelong friends now, you know, and uh, one of their sons went through a, a bout of cancer and, and then uh, like, I remember my daughter's junior year in high school, our youngest, and 
she was uh, at prom and uh, they sent her a gift. I mean, it, it, it's crazy how wrestling is. We don't, we just, we know that I know that you went through challenges in our sport because if you wrestled, you went through challenges and you probably know that I went through challenges. Yeah, absolutely. That, we have a bond, we have a link and uh, that mutual respect goes a long way. And the other thing is you also know that, you know, it's just like when you, when you coach wrestlers, you're really coaching fighters. So you have to be careful. I mean, as an official, I always, I always tell officials, I've got to do a, a, a deal for officiating here later on today. And, and one of the topics I have is that you don't ever square off with an, a young athlete. You don't ever square off with a coach. You hold a 30 degree angle. If you want to talk to him, because you trying to get in someone's face, that's a huge mistake. Okay. So yeah. I would hope that it would not come to that, but do not back a wrestler into a corner. It's going to go up. There. So, you know, you know? Derek, Derek Lane's dad growing up, he said that a couple of times he go, he, I don't remember what the conversation was, but he, I, I never forgot what he said. He goes, you never bet against a wrestler. No. And, and I love that. And it's true. And it's, it's one of those, it, it's, it's one of the few sports, maybe the only sport that you can be in the best shape ever and still have a match where you gas out, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, you could wrestle for two hours and, and be fine in a practice. And then in a match, if the situation's not right, or if you didn't do whatever right, or sometimes it just happens where you hit a wall. I've seen Logan Steber do it. I've seen the best of the best do it. Right. And it's amazing to me, but it happens to the best. And that's something I wish I had realized when I was younger is that everybody gets tired. It's okay that you're tired. It doesn't mean you're weak. And no. I thought I, I couldn't even, I didn't even want people to see me breathing hard. I would like hold my breath when I was wrestling because I didn't want people to think I was out of shape or tired. And that's so stupid because it's so freaking hard. Everybody gets tired. And I think that's why it creates different breeds of cat because wrestlers are to do it, to want to do it. You got to be a little crazy. <laughs> and again, I don't know the exact threshold moment for crossover from anaerobic to aerobic, but it's somewhere in the 230 or whatever it is for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, you're asking a wrestler to go six minutes. You know, I, I've had conversations with people. I ran cross country in high school and uh, is unique. I was on a football bus my freshman year at Kearney. The head wrestling coach was the assistant coach in football. Stepped on the bus and he goes, no, you're not playing football. Coach, I got a helmet and everything. He goes, you're not playing football. 62 pounds. Get off the bus. Turn your gear in. I signed you up for cross country. And I ran cross country for four years, both at Carney and Cameron. And it was because he told me to. And he said it would make me better. But in cross country, I got, I had a conversation with uh, a distance runner that was at the Olympic qualification level. And we were in a, in a program together with the Olympic committee. And uh, he said, I got a question. How do you guys get that tired in six minutes? And I said, well, I ran cross country. So I, I, I know a little bit. I don't know what you do because you set crazy times, but now you coach, but I, I, I would tell you this, you could run your craziest time, but if you put a grill on your back and he's choking you or trying to drag you down while you're trying to run, 
you would know why you can't go more than six minutes. And that whole adage about, you, you know, you don't quit when the, when you get tired, you quit when the gorilla gets tired. And, <laughs> and it's that whole, you know, you're, you're literally asking your body to do something physiologically wrong. You know, this whole anaerobic part where I, my muscles can be fueled through oxygenation than I have in my body, but that runs out in about two 30. And then you've got to replenish that. And wrestling is not built for that. It's an anaerobic state action with the hard muscles working continuously, holding ground, taking on each other, hand fighting, um, lifting, you know, um, you know, you take a single leg where you put two hands on the leg, you start on your knees and start up to your feet and create lift all the way up. That's three times the amount of energy that you put in just pushing somebody. And so you, you, you pull with your arms, you drive with your legs, you're asking your body to do things that it's not supposed to do. And sooner or later, you're right. I mean, you're going to get oxygen dead. And, and once you're in debt, then you got to figure out how tough you are. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. amazing. And there's no lonelier place on the planet than in oh. the center of a mat when you have reached that point and you're wrestling somebody who has not, and they and just keep kicking your ass. <laughs> you look over and think there can't be more than 10 seconds left in this match. And you realize there's three digits still on there. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> this is going to hurt. I used to think all the time, there is no way this guy is as tired as I am, but they probably were. <laughs> <laughs> and on any given day, I mean, sometimes your anxiety can get the best of you and you go out there and you're ready to hyperventilate before you even start. That, and, that's why the first round of a tournament is so damn hard, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. My state finals my senior year, I didn't work out at all the day before I just or the day of. I just laid around all day and I thought I was going to die in the state finals because I was so tired and I had to suck it up and get through it. But if I could go back in time now, if I had a son that ever did that, I'd be like, you got to get in a workout early in the yeah. day. You got to blow your lungs out. You can't sit around all day. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how good a shape you're in the state finals. I should be fine. Nope. It ain't that way. Energy is not saved. No. It's yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. So, yeah. Well, I well, didn't know that at the time. Um, I, I got to let you go. Cause there's, I got a ton of stuff I still need to yeah. do today, but uh, I'm sure you do as well. Um, and we're going to have to do a part two sometime because one, I love talking to you. And second of all, um, I've got a lot of questions about officiating and, um, tons of stuff. I really wanted to get into the officiating stuff, but we're not going to have time to do it today. Um, we'll yeah, please do. And well, I got to ask you one more question. Um, okay. I'll just ask you this. What, what, what else would you like to say before I let you go? Well, I just, I, I think that that anyone that gets involved in our sport, sport that you love, I love, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a definitely a worthwhile journey. And, uh, you know, there's a, I had a lot of injuries in college. I, I took two digit trips to more than 10 trips to the emergency room while I was in college. And, uh, it was, uh, it was challenging because you, you've got to overcome, you, you've got to come back from that. And, you know, and when you spend time, you know, when you spend time taking a three pound weight and you're doing this with your shoulder to get that back, you know, it doesn't seem like, 
you know, that, that you're, that you're moving forward. And, um, to all those athletes, uh, you know, my, my mom, um, she passed last month and, and she's 93 great life. And she used to always tell me sometimes she'd say, you're going to regret wrestling, you know, at some point, you know, because your body's just torn up. And I, I would always say to her, mom, I hope I never regret it because it has literally changed and advanced my life. The people I get to run around with. I mean, I've been on staffs now in the last seven years of my life. I've been on staffs that everybody had an Olympic medal except me. And so I just can't, I, I can't imagine being a little kid out of Missouri and, and getting to, to go the places that I've been able to go to and the things that has happened to me in my life because of this sport. So for that reason, I guess that's what I would want to share with your listeners and that, and, and the people that follow you is because I think that, you know, you have a challenge coming up on the 22nd and I'm, I, I hope that that goes exceptionally well for you, but the neat part about it is no matter how it turns out, my money's on you. Just like what you were talking about, you know, I'm not going to bet against you because you're a wrestler. And no matter how it turns out on the 22nd, you're going to turn around and set another date and then go back into the fire again. And that's because we learn how to do that. And you learn how to do it because it's that individual team sport. I, 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 I don't like it when people talk about wrestling being an individual sport because individuals tend to do more when there's other people standing next to them. And they find gears like what you were talking about with your shape. I mean, you just find a gear that you didn't even know you had because your team depends on you and, and, and it demands more. We sometimes we, we will let ourselves off the hook before we let ourselves off the hook. If, if we've got more on the line that our teammates have and, or we watch a teammate do something that's just unbelievable. And, and you say, well, I might be able to do some of that. I mean, Derek being a training partner with Micah Gardner changed how he did business, you know, and allowed him to rise to levels that maybe he didn't even believe in at first. And, and so I'll finish it with this. One of the greatest things I ever learned in coaching, um, young man, Travis, you know, just people that, that, that helped in one match at Winnetonka finals one year had a young man that I had coached both athletes. I'd coached one athlete at Excelsior. Then I coached another athlete at, at, uh, at, at OP. And uh, they met in the finals and I had worked obviously with the Excelsior Springs athlete when he was in junior high in that. And so they meet in the finals and, and Bubba's, you know, two time state champ stud and, and this match is one, one with 11 seconds left in the bout. They both got an escape and they are both just, and they're rocking shots off, but no one can get the finish done. And then finally Bubba takes us down with four seconds left in the bout, but we immediately start shifting and coming up and he cuts us. And we had worked on this little thing from top gun. We called turn and burn. And it's just a deal where as you're coming out, you throw both your feet, you just throw your feet. And as they hit, you dive back in on him. And he does this. 
He gets a takedown with one second. As time runs out, the official Mike Hankins drops the two. The place goes nuts. And then he jumps up and he turns to me and it's like, and, it, and what he was saying to me without words was, did you just see what I just did? Because I can't believe I did that. Yeah. And that moment right there is like, that's all you ever want as a coach. You want someone to do something they didn't even know they could do. And that meant that then you had a small hand in whatever they did through their work and efforts. And so yeah. that to me is everything that, you know, in the end. Who was that wrestler? Well, I'm going to hold off on that because he he um, he went on to do some neat things in Colombia, and uh, I also like the fact that uh, I can talk about him because the reason why he he has held on to coaching at the assistant level is because he has such a deep and abiding faith that um, he uh, uh, he is special. But it's, it, it's last name's Craig, but it's, it's, he, he is a phenomenal person. So great. Okay. I just can't imagine. So. Well, that's awesome, man. I've, I can't tell you how much <clears throat> I've enjoyed talking to you and, and what you said to me a minute ago, it, it to me is the reason why you've had so much success in coaching um, and in life is because it made me, it, it, it helped me tremendously just for you, just to hear what you said about my show coming up and all that stuff, because I've dealt with anxiety and nervousness my whole life, whether it was school or wrestling, or now that I, I can't believe I do what I do for a living because it makes me so scared all the time. Um, but I, I continue to do it. And, and, and if it wasn't for wrestling, I couldn't do it because, because of that training, that, that, you know, Feeling, feel, I tell my little boy all the time, and he says it to me all the time, and it, nothing warms my heart more. He says, "Daddy, I just got to feel that fear and walk through it anyway," and yeah. and that's the that's what I try to that's how I try to live my life because I'm scared a lot. <laughs> well, I always tell officials, you know, make sure that you mentor somebody. You, you're going to be a protege when you're young, but soon as you can, mentor somebody because that little feedback that you get from your son right there, you've given that to him. And now he's echoed that back to you and it makes you stronger. You know, I, I used to love the fact that no matter what happened, whether the duel went bad or whatever happened, you know, you get to go home and your kids don't care. You're dead. <laughs> and, and I might've failed miserably in what I was doing. But to them, it didn't matter. And my wife has been like that. I mean, and so as long as we have these safe places, you know, like in my office here, can you see that? Yeah. The Falconer's glove, right? Okay. That hawk glove is on that pole to tell me that my job here at the University of Iowa is that I stand on the ground. I, I'll never fly, but the hawks fly. Our athletes do. And my job is to have a steady enough hand to wait until they return and give them some place to return to. So then they can train again. And that's the whole purpose. And so, but this echo effect that you get from your son, it lets you know, you know what, no matter what happens 22nd, 
you're going to be all right. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that, you know, you've committed to your why you've said, yeah, I want to be funny, but I want to send a message. And, and I would tell you that I'm old school that when I go watch a movie or I go watch, I mean, you know, one of my favorite comedians is, is, is Greg Warren. And, and uh, I love him for so many reasons. And part of it is because like you, he wrestled and he gets it. He understands it. And, uh, and then he makes it funny, you know? And so we're around our house sometimes and we're like red alert and we're all kinds of stuff. Right. And it's because of him, but I love the fact that you're willing to take on, um, you know, again, like Will Rogers did take on social issues and those stands are not easily taken. And when you're trying to mix comedy with it, you, you got to remember that, yeah, I want to be a comedian, but I also want to send a strong enough message that someone leaves my show believing that the world could be a better place than it is currently. So yeah. good luck to you on that. Well, God bless you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, it'll be out tomorrow. So I'll, I'll make sure and tell your wife and she'll share it on Facebook and everything. And and uh, if you'd share it on Twitter, I'd, I'd appreciate that. I think, you're, I think I put your Twitter on there. So yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And good luck this Thank year with everything. Thank you for doing this. And, and I, I, again, you know, you said it, but I, I love the fact that you've, you know, during COVID, you, you had an opportunity to get a hold of people that, you know, it, 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 so again, it's that whole thing. COVID was a massive challenge for all of us. But there was some real growth during COVID, too, because we had to do business a different way. And so you doing that and getting this started and then making that happen, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't coach. So it's my I mean, hopefully someday I'll coach my kid or something, but or a kid's program or maybe get involved with the high school around here. But this is my small way of giving back. And, you know, and and it's been it's been great. So I really appreciate you, man. Well, enjoy it. Great luck. 22nd. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. you. Have a good day. Right. You too. See ya. Bye bye. All right, everybody. Gary Mayab. Um, you know, just talking to that guy, I realized, like I said in the in the interview there at the end, uh, why he was such a great coach. Um, I almost teared up a couple times when he was talking about some of the things that he was talking about because, uh, you know, wrestling saved my life in so many ways and. Uh, my career wasn't everything that I, I wish it would have been and, and think it could have been or whatever, but the, the relationships I've built and the, the things I suck up all the time because of that sport. Um, I'm 48 years old and <laughs> I still get so fired up sometimes if, if there was a camera on me or if people could see how I get sometimes to get myself through certain things, they would think I was insane. Um, and only wrestlers understand that stuff. So hope you guys enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. As always, go to making it happen, M-A-C-A-N-It-Happen.com. Help out little bow making. If you're in the Kansas City area, like I said, we've got about 50 tickets left. I would love to sell that out completely at the Kansas City Improv and uh and and have a great show. Not just be funny, but say some things that are, are not easy for me to, to talk about because I get so fired up about certain things and I want people to love each other the way God intended us to love each other. And I want this country to be what the founding fathers laid it out to be. As great as it is, I think America could be so much better if 
I won't get into all that now because it's a wrestling podcast, but, um, but God bless all of you for listening. And, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and that's it. Take care. Goodbye.